Today is about, I'll try not to move around too much, I'm conscious of this. Uh, today is about understanding God's promises. And you think, oh, Rob's chosen this passage from Leviticus. <laughs> what is that all about? Leviticus, if you read through, is quite at times a disturbing and confusing place to be in the Bible. But I've chosen this bit in Leviticus, which is about God's promises in our life, about how he's going to be with us. And he made this promise centuries ago, millennia ago. And if you look at the story of the Jewish people going back, way back, the exodus is huge for them. Yes, there's the exile to Babylon. Yes, there is the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem. Yes, there is the being conquered by outside armies. But the memory that holds fast for so many people, so many Jewish people, is the Exodus. And do you know why? It is because they remember that God was with them every minute of every day, even through the trials. He travels with them in a pillar of cloud by day. He travels in front of them in a pillar of fire by night, and he provides over 40 years. They never have to replace their clothing. It never wears out. Wouldn't that be nice? Their sandals, their footwear never wears out. In the wilderness, in the desert, he provides water. He provides food. And it is a trial. And it is hard. And you know, Moses, the leader who's tasked with leading them through the wilderness, he knows before he arrives that he will never see that promised land. But God is good because he provides that leadership. And he's a memory in their hearts. You see, what the Jewish people realize is that there is salvation, there is deliverance. And while God has the promise for the long term that we will arrive in this, we have the expectation of ri arriving in this heavenly place with Jesus Christ, actually he is, in, he is in the minute detail of every day. And we must not forget that. I want to I remind you how important that is. But you know, the Jewish people have this challenge. They have a difficult time imbibing, rem being reminded that they are set apart. Throughout the entire Old Testament, if you pick up on any theme, I would love for you to pick up on this. God is constantly reminding his people, you are set apart, not because you've earned it, not because you fulfilled every letter of the law to its last detail, not because you're better, smarter, or better looking than other people. You were set apart because I said you are. I chose you, and I chose you because I love you, God says. His name, Yahweh, I am who I am. I am the creator of the created. That is how God, God defines himself here, and that is how God defines himself in our lives today. 
switch gears a little bit. I'll tell you a story. When I was studying in the States for my divinity degree, learning how to do church leadership, we moved, we picked up sticks from London, we moved to Durham, North Carolina, um, which is very similar to Durham, England, but, um, you know, it's nicer in America. I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. Um, not the original Durham, but in fact, Durham is known for being a tobacco heartland. It, it is the number one producer of tobacco in the world, still is, and it has been for hundreds of years. Now, tobacco is a very difficult crop to harvest. It's very delicate. You have to go along with a, with, a, with a scythe and lay down each stalk, and then someone has to come along and manually, with their hands, remove the leaves from the tobacco plant before it can be harvested and turned into smoking tobacco. Now, several hundred years ago, when the English came to the colonies and they identified tobacco as this really amazing thing, and they wanted more of it, they saw that North Carolina and Virginia were these places where tobacco grew really well. But what they realized also is very difficult to do unless you had a lot of people. You couldn't make money very easily. And over time they realized that slaves were the best resource for growing and harvesting tobacco. And in the States today you can still visit old plantations where 300 to 400 slaves would live and one white family would live and that's how the tobacco industry sustained itself. Okay, segue. As I was living in Durham, we went out, and we used to, I worked for a Methodist church, and we would go out to care homes and nursing homes, and we usually go on the other side of town where there wasn't so much money. And we used to go to this one care home, and there was a guy there named Dave. He was an elderly black man, and he was better known as the preacher. And Dave had this most excellent voice. You know, I can remember Anne. Anne would sit down at the upright piano and she'd crack open that Methodist hymn book. You could hear the binding crack as she put it up on the piano. And she'd start banging away on that piano. And we'd all start singing and it was okay. And then Dave would join in. It was this amazing, beautiful sound. And I got to know Dave's story, the preacher's story, and he said, you know, back in the 60s, there wasn't seminary training for black men like him. And in fact, it was a difficult time. You may not be aware that they were still lynching black people in the southern United States on up through the 60s and 70s. And Dave lived in the midst of all this, but do you know what? He said, every time I went out to preach, everything that was on my heart, he said, I wasn't blind to this. But everything that was on my heart were the promises of God and God's love for me. And he would get up on a Sunday morning, very early, about 4 a.m., and he'd get down on his knees and he'd say, Lord, where do you want me today? Where do you want me to preach? Because you see, Dave was an itinerant preacher. And God would tell him, Mount Zion Baptist Church in Morrisville, for example, which was one of the places he used to go, and that was 15 miles from where he lived. So he'd set out walking. Four and a half hours later, he'd arrive at this church, and there they'd be, heavily deep in worship. And they knew, they had a word that Dave was coming. The Lord knows how. And he'd walk through that door, and the minister would step aside, and Dave would step into the pulpit, and he would preach. And he'd preach, having not had any breakfast or water that morning. 
maybe hoping to get a meal afterwards, because, you know, the Baptist put on a good lunch. (laughs) And you know what he preached? He took the heartache and the anguish and the suffering and the hunger and the thirst and the discrimination and the difficult life that he was in. And he identified that there is one that had gone before him who had voluntarily hung on a tree to take away the curse of sin and death. And Dave's heart was in that. And he said, my suffering is nothing compared to what Jesus Christ has done in this world. And there is hope for me. And there is hope for you. And Jesus is changing the world. And that is God's promise. It was then. It was for the Jews in the Exodus. And it is true today. And I'm... Do you, do you believe that? Do you believe that it's true in your life? Do you believe that God's promises have hold on your heart? You know, because it's very easy, and I stand up here as as a guilty party, it's very easy to say, I go to church on a Sunday, I give my 10% tithe or whatever, or, you know, I'm in a home group, or I've got a prayer partner, and it's very easy to do those things and say, well, God, what more do you want? It's very easy to say, God, I've got my promises too. But you know, the thing that God is keen to remind us is that the promises are not about us doing and fulfilling a law. The promises are about His goodness and His love overflowing into our lives. And sometimes we need to lay down some things at the foot of the cross in order to understand that those promises can happen. God wants direct access to your life. I don't think that probably comes as any great surprise to any of us. But He wants that access so that He can transform your life and fill it with love and joy and peace and goodness and patience and kindness. Because He has not given up on you. He's gone to the cross for you. He's come down from that cross for you. He's come back to life and He's built a bridge to heaven so that you can be by His side. And all you have to do is say yes. That's it. It's all you have to do. But it's hard to say yes, and I get that. Around the same time that we were in Durham, Cam and I had come from well-paying jobs in London. We had had our first child, Max, and we got rid of everything. We moved to Durham, North Carolina. And while we had a place to live, we didn't have any money. And this was a new problem for us. And I can tell you as a young father and a husband, I was deeply ashamed that I was not looking after my family. I was a student. I was not earning money. 
And weekly, my wife would go to the supermarket and she would tally up the things that she would buy and inevitably she'd get to the checkout and have to put some things back, whether it was bread or milk or meat. In front of God and everybody. Shortly thereafter, Cam found it out she needed a root canal, $700. My second son, Ralph, needed to go into hospital. No money for that. I needed a car, didn't have the money because I had to drive to school. No money for that. But I'll tell you, God provided. In each of those circumstances, He provided. Strangers gave us money for medical bills. Doctors forgave us debts. My parents loaned us a car. Poor people gave us food out of their own hamper. God provides today, tomorrow, yesterday, and for the end of time. Do you believe that? Do you believe that it can happen in your life? But you must say yes. You know, my shame and my guilt was one thing getting in the way of that. My pride. And I'm telling you this story because I think you know what I'm talking about. I think you may have been through something like that in your life. And I'm telling you, praise God, there's no reason to be ashamed. But He does want you to say yes today. He does want to show you His goodness and His love today. I will put my dwelling place among you and I will not abhor you, says the Lord God. I will walk among you and be your God, and you will be my people. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, who brought you out of coronavirus, who brought you out of debt, who brought you out of addiction, who saved you from your guilt and shame, who brought you out of miscarriage, who got you through breaking relationships, so that you would no longer be slaves to the Egyptians or anything else. Praise God. God says, I broke the bars of your yoke and enabled you to walk with heads held high. Do you believe that God can do that for you? Do you believe His promises are for you? I do, with my whole heart. Amen.